Hello. Oh, Zerks. Yay, people. <laughs> Real people. Um, oh, hello. Got a wave. <laughs> Um, good evening. It is uh, just yeah a real privilege to um, be standing here um, in front of your real life faces. Um, I'm just delighted to be in person and worshiping together um, and getting to see you know at least the top half of you. Um, and yeah, hello to those on the live stream as well. I'm really glad that you can connect in with us. Um, we're really glad that you're part of the family too. And so it's great to have you with us as well. Um, for those that don't know me, my name is Caitlin. Um, I'm part of the pastoral staff team. Um, so I run the church communications with an incredible little team that I can see their faces around here. Um, I help look after home groups and do a bunch of admin. And sometimes Jim and Rachel give me a microphone to speak. Um, so, yeah, at the moment in our preaching series, we're in Genesis, um, and right in the start of Genesis, we have a bit of this, like, three-part story of our beginnings. Um, last week, Jim looked at Genesis 1, um, which gives the big picture, like, cosmic perspective on creation um, and our relationship with God. Today, we're going to explore Genesis 2 and the intimate picture it paints. And then next week, part three, Rachel will speak on Genesis 3 um, and how the world came to be as it is now, setting the scene for the rest of the Bible's um, broken relationship between God and humanity. So with this in mind, um, let's read tonight's passage, uh, which is Genesis 2, verses 4 to 25, and my lovely friend Phoebe is going to come and read for us. This is the account of the heavens and the earth when they were created, when the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. Now no shrub had yet appeared on the earth, and no plant had yet sprung up, for the Lord God had not sent rain on the earth, and there was no one to work the ground. But streams came up from the earth and watered the whole surface of the ground. Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. Now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east, in Eden, and there he put the man he had formed. The Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. In the middle of the garden were the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. A river watering the garden flowed from Eden. From there it was separated into four headwaters. The name of the first is the Pishon. It winds through the entire land of Havilah, where there is gold. The gold of that land is good. Aromatic resin and onyx are also there. The name of the second river is Gion. It winds through the entire land of Cush. The name of the third river is the Tigris. It runs along the east side of Asher. And the fourth river is the Euphrates. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from it, you will certainly die. The Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the wild animals and all the birds in the sky. He brought them to the man to see what he would name them. And whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. 
So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds in the sky, and all the wild animals. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep, and while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and then closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. The man said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. That is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. Adam and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. Thank you so much, Phoebe. As with every passage, there is so much more here than I can talk about tonight. Um, So if you've got questions about this part of scripture or just left wanting more Genesis 2 in your life, let me invite you to Pub Church. Um, This is a place to bring all of your questions. There are loads of people who would really gladly enter into that discussion with you over some food, and I'll point you in their direction. Um, so you can find all the details on our website. It's kingdomvineyard.com slash events. Um, it happens on Fridays at one o'clock in the rule at the moment. Um, so yeah, come along to that. I started this prep in some real knots, reading many people's many opinions on this passage. Um, But instead of delivering a seminar on something like the discontinuities of the order of creation between Genesis 1 and Genesis 2, I'm instead going to listen to the best preaching advice I've ever received. Um, And that is to ask the question, what is God saying to this church at this time and through this passage? So thank you, Jim, for teaching me that. And thank you, Toby, for teaching it to Jim and reminding me of it last week when I needed to hear it the most. What is God saying to this church, Kingdom Vineyard, at this time, 12th of September, 2021, through this passage, Genesis 2, 4 to 25? I think God has a lot to say through this passage um, about who he is and who he created us to be. And so to that end, in classic sermon fashion, I have three points, and they are, number one, we are created intimately by a God who is close by, who is at hand. Two, we are created for a purpose. And three, we are created for community. And we'll look at each of these in turn. Firstly, we are created intimately by a God who is close by. So I have really come to love this passage. I love it because I think it paints the most beautiful picture of what God is like. I love the handbrake turn from Genesis 1 where God just speaks and things come to be to God, the intimate crafter in Genesis 2. So I'm going to share a couple of the differences between these chapters that I noticed and that really highlighted to me something of God's character and something about what he is like. So the first thing I noticed was that in my Bible, when referring to God, it changes from God to Lord God in Genesis 2. 
Looking at this in the Hebrew, it is a change from Elohim to Yahweh. And the difference between these two names is that Elohim is the title and Yahweh is God's name. Calling God Yahweh instead of Elohim is sort of like talking about Elizabeth, who lives at Buckingham Palace, as opposed to the queen. Elohim is a Hebrew word that means spiritual being, and the Bible does often use it for God. But it can also be used for the gods of other nations and angels. They are Elohim too. But in Genesis 2, Yahweh is used. And Yahweh is a name that God gave us to call, to, to call him when he met Moses at the burning bush. Yahweh is God giving us a personal name to refer to him to because we get to know him. So right away, we have this shift in the Hebrew from Genesis 1 to 2. A shift from a formal title for God to his name, his personal name. And I think this sets the tone for everything that follows. We're not um, now only talking about the big, powerful God, but Yahweh, who we get to know and we're invited into relationship with. And that's a huge change. And if our Bibles didn't have this perspective, how we approach God would be completely different. The second thing I noticed that was different to Genesis 1 is that God is a lot more hands-on in the second telling of creation. The pattern of Genesis 1 is God said, dot, 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 and it was. Whereas in Genesis 2, we read in verse 7, the Lord God formed a man. He breathed into his nostrils. And in verse 8, he planted a garden, and there he put the man that he had formed. In verse 19, he formed out of the ground all of the wild animals, and he brought them to the man. And he, verse 22, he built a woman. All of these words speak of God's craftsmanship. And reading this passage, the image of God... Um, as like the potter in Jeremiah 18.6 came to my mind. And the fun fact I learned this week is that the Hebrew word used for formed in verse 8 of Genesis 2 is the exact same word as the word for potter in Jeremiah um, verse 18.6. And that really blew my mind, so I hope you enjoy that fact. Jeremiah 18.6 says, Can I not do with you Israel as the potter does, declares the Lord. Like clay in the hand of the potter, so are you in my hand, Israel. In Genesis 1, we see how powerful God is, alongside, as Jim said, how orderly and how good he is. In Genesis 2, we see God, the potter, the craftsman at work, a God who is close by and is intimately involved in humanity, not holding us at arm's length. God is huge, and God is here. And both views are so true and so important. Isn't it amazing how Jesus told people to fill water jars, and through his command, water was turned to wine? What a great story. And he can do it just by speaking it into being 
And that's the God we meet in Genesis 1. And don't you also love the story where Jesus spits on the ground and put the mud and spit mix on the man's eye? <laughs> and now, like, the man might be thinking, can I have the voice command version, please? <laughs> but this is the God we meet in Genesis 2. Genesis 1 and Genesis 2 give two different accounts of creation so that we understand both crucial truths about what God is like. He is huge and he is here. He is hugely powerful, but also he is intimately and intricately involved in the growing of every flower, in the existence of every animal, and in the forming of every child. If Genesis 1 says, wowee, what an accountant God is, then Genesis 2 says you're not a statistic. Are not five sparrows sold for two pennies, yet not one of them is forgotten by God. Indeed, the very hairs on your head are all numbered. Don't be afraid, you're worth more than many sparrows. That is Luke 12, verse 6 and 7. Don't you know that the very hairs on your head are numbered in God's mind? I think it's of vital importance that we get this. Yes, God is big and powerful and therefore a bit scary, but he's close by. He handcrafted us. He breathed his life into us. He sees us and he cares about us. We are intimately created by a close, caring, attentive God. And when we come to him, we come to him with the full knowledge of this Genesis 1 and 2 picture of who he is. So point two, we are created for a purpose. So God created man and then he planted this beautiful garden in the east in Eden where he made all kinds of trees grow, pleasing to the eye and for food. What a delightful time. And then, verse 15, the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. Humanity was put in the garden for a reason. And that reason was not just to sit and look at it, although that 100% has its place. Please don't hear me dissing, resting, and delighting in creation because honestly, it's one of my favorite activities. But we have a purpose to actively contribute to this garden, to partner with God in this world and in his kingdom. God didn't need a gardener. He could do it completely by himself, but for some reason, he decided that he wanted park rangers, as Jim put it last week. He wants us as active participants, not simply consumers. And this can take many forms. There's a never-ending number of ways that God calls us to partner with him in this world and in his work. From the workplace to looking after our homes and looking after this world. Um, but one thing that we all have in common here is the calling to be active participants in the church community. It's been a really weird season for church. As a staff team, we wrestled with how to do church during lockdown. We started on YouTube. 
to make it as easy as possible for as many people as possible to join in. But we ended up making the call in January to move to Zoom. We wanted to provide more opportunity to be family for each other um, and just give us a chance to interact a bit more rather than putting on our NAF version of church TV. <laughs> Zoom gave us that opportunity yeah, to interact more, to be family. But even on Zoom, at the end of the day, it's still very easy to be passive watchers. So it's definitely a bit of a gear shift to be back here in person, to be serving each other again. But it's exciting because we have a new opportunity to serve each other after 18 months of simply Zoom waving at each other's faces. I felt like we were forced into a bit of a corner of church consumerism during the pandemic. And now, as we're coming back together, we get the privilege of being active participants again, not just consumers. And your active participation matters because you are a person made with a purpose and a purpose in this world and in this church family. If this is the church you call home or will call home, you are a needed part of it. What if your relationship with church was knowing you're a needed part of it um, and not a recipient of its services? We already shared um, this evening that we are pretty desperate for some tech team volunteers. Um, so if you'd like to get involved, email worship at kingdomvineyard.com or, you know, help at kingdomvineyard.com would also work just fine. <laughs> but tech is not the only ministry you can serve in. Kids. We love kids. A couple of them are having a great time over there just now, but we need kids' leaders to love them. Um, so if that's you, you can email help at kingdomvineyard.com. Youth as well. We have a newly formed youth group. It's so exciting. They are fantastic. Um, but we need people to invest in our teenagers. So again, you can contact us at help at kingdomvineyard.com. Maybe you have a passion for ensuring that every single person who walks through these doors is welcomed. So we need you too. We need you really. So email help at kingdomvineyard.com if you'd like to join the hosting team. If you're creative or you have a passion for communications and for some reason fancy working with me and the comms team, email help at kingdomvineyard.com. <laughs> and if you're gifted musically and the worship team is just calling your name, email help at kingdomvineyard.com. If you're part of this church family, you are a needed part of it. You are a gifted part of it. And there's a place for you here. And if you're not serving, I actually think you might be missing out on something that God has for you through serving. And I know that other people are missing out on what you can bring. We've got a real season of opportunity upon us as we're coming back together. And we're a family where everyone gets to play. So I really encourage you to ask Jesus where he's calling you to get involved. And if due to circumstances you cannot join a team, you absolutely can still serve, can I invite you, as Jim's already done tonight, to 
join us in praying for us. Um, it's so, so valuable. And honestly, I don't think we'd still be standing here without your prayers. We are all created for a purpose. A purpose to participate and not to simply consume. So finally, point three, we are created for community. And not just surface level community, but real community with each other. Verse 18 says, the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. I believe here in this passage, we can fairly translate the Hebrew word Adam in our Bibles. It says man as humanity. At this point in the story, there was just one human and that was Adam. So it is not good for humanity to be alone introverts, of which I am one, hear me too. It is not good for you, a person, to be alone. We are not designed for isolation. We are designed for community. God's heart is for us all to be in community. And that could look like marriage. We see that modeled here in the passage. And it might not. It might look like profound friendships, and actually, there is a specific calling on the church to be a radical family of God in a way that truly loves one another as brothers and sisters, not in a cliche Christian kind of way, but in a way that looks like us really valuing each other as fellow adopted children of God. Turning briefly to Acts 2, verses 42 to 47, is a passage that kind of gives us a bit of a model for church. I want to look at how many times it says something about being together. So let's take a look. Hopefully it's on the screen. Yep, great. So they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had a need. Every day they continued to meet together. I've lost fingers <laughs> um, in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. That was a lot of togetherness in one passage. But what a picture of community. If you think that you can do church on your own, I think you're wrong. The church is meant to be the place where there are no lonely. Psalm 68 verse 6 says, The Lord sets the lonely in families. And this is a truth, but you could be thinking, well, that's not my experience of church. And if you are thinking that, as a team member of a church, I'm so sorry that that is not your experience. But please let me assure you that it is God's heart for his church. That he wasn't just joking when he said he'd, let, he'd set the lonely in families. He designed us for community, for relating meaningfully to one another. 
And this is why it is our stated aim for our home groups in this church to be a place for us to have a real meeting with God and a real meeting with each other. Home groups are where we really do community in this church. Sundays here, this is actually like the coming together of our many small groups. And if you're with us tonight, including on the live stream, and you feel lonely, and if you don't feel part of this family, can I encourage you to get in a home group? Sign up today at kingandvineyard.com slash events. You could also sign up tomorrow. <laughs> Give you an extra day. <laughs> um, but yeah, and even if you're not lonely and you do feel part of this family, I also would like to encourage you to sign up for a home group. Joining a group for the first time in 2015 was one of the best decisions that I made. I didn't know real community until I joined a home group. So pre-COVID, we used to talk about the importance of not putting on a mask to go to church. <laughs> and now we actually have to wear a mask. But what we meant was by not putting on your I'm fine mask when you're a crumbly mess struggling underneath. Because that is not real authentic community. And we want, and we think God wants, his family to be a place, a place where we can love each other even when we're not fine. And even though we have to protect each other's health right now with the wearing of literal face masks, it's incredibly important that we take off our metaphorical masks and are real with one another. So coming back to the passage, verse 24 and 25 say, that is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. Adam and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame. The picture in Genesis 2 here is of marriage, but I'm convinced that whether it's in marriage or in the profound relationships in church family, God has designed us for a real unmasked community. When we are brave and show up as we are and are vulnerable with each other, we can love each other better. We can come alongside each other better. We can point each other to Jesus better, exactly as God intended. So then, to finish up, let's recap. We are created intimately by a God who is close by. Genesis 1 and Genesis 2 tells us God is huge and God is here. And Genesis 2 specifically tells us that we're not a statistic. We're not just one of many. We are handcrafted people. And we are created for a purpose as well. We are handcrafted people with a purpose. We are intentionally sculpted people planted lovingly in a beautiful garden to actively participate in it and not just consume from it. And we are created for community. Genesis 2 tells us that we are built for togetherness, whether in marriage or in the profound real relationships of the church family. It is not good 
for any of us to be alone. God lovingly created us. He handcrafted us as purpose-given people created for community. And that is, I think, the beautiful message of Genesis 2. So why don't you stand with me and I'll pray. Father God, I just thank you for how close you are. I thank you that you are so close that we can just reach out. Lord, I pray for your presence to come again just now. Would you come and draw close to your people? Lord, I thank you for, for all of the purposes you have for each of us individually and for the place that you have for us in our church family. Thank you that you did create us to be together, that we get to be community. I thank you for the joy that it is to get to be community together that loves you. Yeah, we just thank you again for all that you are. We love you, Jesus. Amen.